Maybe this sounds familiar. On the outside, I appear to be fine, put together, and in control. But on the inside, I found myself spiritually spent and emotionally exhausted. I was fooling everyone, or so I thought, except myself. Perhaps it's time for a soul dive into the deeper ends of consciousness. Welcome to the Soul Dive Podcast. I'm Chris McCann. In every episode, I will help you trigger a journey of self-discovery. In the company of our guests, we'll share with you lessons of spiritual guidance to help you on your way to a, a life of authentic inward joy and satisfaction. So finding your inner blocks, setting spiritual and emotional goals, and discovering your truest self are only some of the things that we'll help you with, and we're focusing on men. Let's dive right into it. This is Jeff Christman, and I'm extremely joyful and uh, grateful as well to have the opportunity today to be visiting with Chris McCann. Chris, thank you so much for taking the time. I really appreciate this. Oh, Jeff, it's an absolute pleasure. I love uh, talking shop. Yeah, absolutely. And I'm so glad you said that. Absolutely. (laughs) What I thought I would do, and before we actually start that, I really wanted to take a moment. I've had an opportunity to read about you and your work, and I realized that that's only just a limited uh, subset of what what your experience is. And that's really what the the, uh, uh, motivation and the, uh, the desire to have these conversations and really listen and hear about people's journey. I'd like to take a moment, and this is from the heart, I would really like to honor the work that you do with people and with organizations to help them remember who they are and also to align with their true purpose. And I would love to ask you to start off the conversation, what that means and what your inner journey means to you at a deeper level. We only have an hour, right? (laughs) (laughs) Yes, and so thank you. My... So my my professional career is uh, working with product companies on the technology side, uh, and I'm fortunate enough to you know I've had a, a really nice exit in the prior company, and we're working on another one today. And and with that, you know, I have currently twelve direct reports, and we've gone you know I've been on this journey with with Content Stack now for approaching three years. And that went from a small team to a big team, Series A raise, Series B raise, and you know now we're set up for world domination. <laughs> and the the challenge that I face with this is, you know, I'm compensated well to look backward, to think forward, and predict what's going to happen, and. That for such a long time was the opposite of my own inner work, which is to be here now, right? So being fully present and in the moment, uh, and then that uh, the dissonance between you know how we're paid, and how I'm compensated, and being able to um, anticipate things going sideways is in some ways a contradiction to just being here and being present, and what I've learned over time or what I'm learning over time is that balance of being fully aware and noticing and integrating these experiences, which happen from a meditative state or from connecting with people into being an effective leader 
um, inside my organization and in the community. Uh, and therein is where I'm playing. It's like, how do you take all of these aspects and, um, and live a, a meaningful life? Oh, absolutely. And, and I, I was going to tell you, you are one of the few people that I have been, been aware of in, in my five years of having these conversations. And I wanted to let you know that I definitely uh, I have questions and uh, would love to learn more about what you're speaking about. In other words, in the business world, uh, that is what I, one of the things I've had a few conversations here recently, not with people who necessarily work with organizations, but talking about the uh, kind of where we go from here in terms of higher consciousness and how we do that in the world of work. You know, how can we be here now, but also be both, you know, while we're being divine, also being human and also meeting goals and taking, you know, completing tasks and being human and doing that work, you know, that that human work, so to speak. And I find that very interesting. Absolutely. When I was meditating last night, we just came back from a 10-day swing to the Midwest. Uh, so we live here in Santa Monica, California, and we're, we're very privileged in that sense, right? We're just a few blocks from the beach. We have wonderful community and wonderful neighbors. And, you know, my wife uh, and I took our, or took my stepson back so he could go travel with his father um, down to Texas to go visit his family. And in that, you know, we had an opportunity to connect with our parents. Both Meredith and I are very fortunate that our parents are still with us and, and aging, right? Uh, but also my children, um, and I say children, but they're 30 and 28, respectively, and mm-hmm. also grandparents. You know, so we got to spend time with our granddaughter and also with friends and some of who we really haven't been able to spend time with or connect with in person um, since COVID. And and it was neat. And a lot of learnings and, and, and a lot of um, takeaways and a lot of processing that's happening. But as I was meditating last night, you know, the, the phrase that came to mind was internal affairs. Mm, yeah. And, you know, there's a friend of mine, you know, they'll often say, you know, Chris, it's an inside job. And for much of my life, and I think back to even when I was a, a child, and I grew up in Jackson, Michigan, and there wasn't a lot to do there. Uh, but I would put on my Sony Walkman. <laughs> and I would, I would oftentimes, you know, put in some sort of a cassette and would walk around my neighborhood at night and, and always looking up. And that's so, still something that I do to this day. And I had felt this connection to what else is really going on here. And that still happens, you know, from time to time. But coming back to the internal affairs aspect, you know, what I had realized is that I had it inside out. Mm. So when we talk about the juxtaposition of the divine aspects of our true nature and also being here where we are is accepting that we are human. I had an experience um, a few months ago, maybe it was some, certainly within the last year. And there's a, a gentleman that we do quite a bit of work with, Jeff. He's a psychiatrist, a medical doctor, uh, and he's also a very good friend of mine. And, you know, Carlos is 75. He'll be 75 in May. And he has a pool at his home. And what we had done, and there are roughly 20 of us in this pool, so we would take uh, turns 
where we were holding someone or being held and we're in the pool and we would distress our breathing. So think of it as holotropic breathing, but submerged. So the only part of our physical body that was above water was our nose so we could breathe. And we created this very distressed breathing situation. Now, I'm not one to sit around and wait for instructions. <laughs> I, uh, I, I certainly will just, like, I'll, I'll take what I think I need to know, and then I'll, just, I'll dive in. So as my friend Luke was holding me, you know, in the water and supporting me, you know, my breathing became distressed, and very quickly, I, I went somewhere. And as I'm, like, submitting or surrendering into this experience, I saw this like silvery white orb in my mind's mm. eye and the sensation or the feeling that I had was like, wow, here I am I'm going to work and I'm, I'm going to earth. <laughs> and, and it was a very joyful feeling, if you will. And we weren't, you know, medicined up or anything like that. It was purely holotropic breathing that got us there. And then that silvery orb and that peace and that sense of purpose that existed, um, quickly was distracted by seeing shadows and these humanoid figures inside of the silvery orb. And the notion occurred to me, it was like, oh, wait a minute, I'm in the birth canal. And so as these silvery, as these shadowy figures are working to extract me from this birth canal, it hit me and I was like, I don't want to be here. Why am I going to earth? This is hard. And I was doing everything I could to go back to where I came from. Wow. Now, whether, whether it was all fantastical storytelling um, or my imagination or any combination thereof, or I was in fact remembering something, it doesn't matter. The, the realization was that I didn't allow or whether it was conscious or subconscious, I didn't allow myself to be here. I didn't want to be here. And because this experience, you just turn on the news or open up the, the paper, it's hard. Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> and, and so that at least gave me some context in which I could begin to explore and what does it really mean to be human? And from there, you know, what does it mean to be a man? And so that's been the work that I've done certainly on myself. And then when I have the opportunity to work with others is not to have the answers, but to help facilitate the sort of self-discovery because what's true for me may not be true for Jeff, may not be true for Meredith, may not be true for anyone else. It's what gives you context in living a better life. And I know I answered your question probably 10 others and generated 100 more, hopefully. I did, I did. That's my favorite. Absolutely. <laughs> perfect. <laughs> so when you mentioned divine and human, yeah. Yeah. That's, um, there's the, you know, that's the rub. Yeah, absolutely. Chris, thank you so much. And I was going to say, I, in fact, for me, it is, uh, I love when, when answers are actually an, really like an exploration than just answers. I mean, that's, so to me, I'm, I'm so incredibly grateful for that. Uh, there's, and that's, that's definitely appreciated and your openness is appreciated. I was going to ask you, and I don't want to assume that there was an aha moment or a quote unquote fork in the road, so to speak, or mm-hmm. a turning point. But I, if there's anything that you uh, could share or if there's anything there in terms of 
was there a point that you can remember when you when you remembered who you are and that uh, that you know that you're in terms of connecting with your purpose uh, in any mm. way? Remembering, you know, it's um, it's an ongoing project, yeah. <laughs> and and every moment when I think I have a beat on something. Um, it becomes an object or an understanding or a knowing that's open for investigation. And you know, case in point, we have a neighbor that lives to the left of us. Who's, he's very private. I mean, you just picture Willie Nelson. And he, uh, he owns his home over here. And he's, he's a fascinating character because when I look over into his yard, he has a sauna back there and there's a lot of plants. And also notice some corn growing back there. Huh. And you know he's he's reluctant to give out his phone number, you know. But you know we're we have neighbors that are septuagenarians or octogenarians, and you know it's important that we feel connected to them and they feel supported. And, and likewise, or you know Meredith and I leave, we want our neighbors to know that there might be people staying here. And the we've had more and more time to connect even in five minute conversations of late and my, my pit bull rescue Jeff, who we've had for over three years. So he's a pre COVID dog hmm. um, was not le- He wasn't least trained and has a lot of issues, but he's just about got me where he wants me. Right. And so now we, we go for our walks now and it's very much a savoring exercise, but I've, I've learned to, work with him as opposed to directing him on where to go and there was a saturday just a few weeks ago where meredith and i went for a walk and the intention was to walk to the beach but kingston wanted to go left on main street so we did and we went about a block and then up ahead of us we see david and his son who owns a restaurant uh, there on main street sitting down and eating and he was kind enough to just take a few moments and connect with us. And he's like, you know, I was talking to Connie, who's our other neighbor. And she mentioned that, you know, you, you both are interested in working with indigenous communities in you know, central and South America. And I said, well, we do already. I said, but I'm very interested in having conversations with you. Now, this gentleman has won four Fulbrights over the course of his career. He's um, very well studied. And, and somehow or another, we're talking to him, we stood there and talked for 20 to 25 minutes. And Kingston, of course, is like, okay, this is why we're connected. And he just sits down and just makes himself at home on the sidewalk. And seemingly out of nowhere, he's like, you know, I don't know why I'm telling you this, but as I've explored aspects of consciousness, what I've learned is that there's just more and more and more. And as he gets to his third more, he starts to smile. And then he just kind of fades away a little bit, right? <laughs> and it's like, my goodness. So like if this gentleman who's been around for, you know, 70 plus years and has won four Fulbrights is still in this aspect of discovery, right? And, and wonderment at, at how everything works then why would I think that I've ever arrived anywhere? And, you know, for me, when I think back on where I am today in terms of my understanding or at least openness to consciousness and being a a willing 
and um, say aware conspirator um, relative to where I was before. It's it's listening and everything Jeff that I had imagined or had hoped to be true when I was a young man or a, a boy walking in the neighborhood of Jackson, Michigan, looking up at the stars, like everything that I hoped was possible or true is ad infinitum. Now, when I was, when I just turned 20, I had my first son um, who now has given us the, the absolute blessing of a granddaughter with his wife. And for roughly 15 years from 20 to 35, I was largely asleep and was so focused on living according to how I grew up, which is you, you work hard, you put your head down, you buy a house, you get a couple cars, maybe a boat or a motorcycle, and you drink as well. <laughs> so, so some of the, the conditioning in which I grew up in. And, you know, right around 35 to 36, and this is, of course, I'd gotten divorced and was struggling and sometimes living out of my car or maybe at heartbreak hotels or shacking up with girlfriends, whatever I could as I was trying to figure life out. It just wasn't cute anymore. And, and life simply wasn't working for me. And it just felt like I was always in a fight. And somewhere in there, I just made a conscious decision that that experiment went on about 15 years too long. And I wanted to behave differently. It's like I had done all the things that I thought I was supposed to do and I was miserable. So I just blew it up. And, you know, where does that come from? Feeling and listening. And when you look at the word discipline and the etymology of it, and discipline and responsibility to me felt like very two very, very dirty words. When I work oh, on yeah. myself and focus on myself and that's it. But discipline is, in terms of the roots of the word, is really listening. And listening is more than just the aspect of listening in an audio sense. It's being able to feel into your body and notice what's really going on. And as I've slowed down in that way, just through meditation or plant medicine or just, you know, the sun just shining on me in a certain way and watching a hummingbird, that listening and feeling in has encouraged me to go deeper because it's the more I've listened and felt and able to articulate these feelings, the richer this life experience has become. My oldest son and I were for a, we went for a walk when we were in Chicago just a couple of days ago. And we were talking. He's like, you know, Dad, he's like, they say that people don't change. He's like, but you are living proof that people do change. And, and I took umbrage to that, not because I thought that I had it all figured out when I was in my early 20s, but I go back to those moments when I was a, you know, a boy and about those possibilities and probabilities. And they said, it's not so much that I changed. I just remembered who I am. Yeah. And yes. now we get to play. Yes. Oh, my goodness. Absolutely. Absolutely. And it's, uh, it's so interesting. I, I, and I was going to ask you, uh, I just find this so uh, incredibly, uh, uh, it, I guess the word I would use is interesting, 
that it seems like with all the shifts in consciousness that we are, I just couldn't come up with a different word. Compelling, I think was the word I, I may have been looking for. But in terms of just the, you know, all the shifts that, you know, I'm hearing a lot of people speak about in human consciousness, that uh, to take that to an organization of people who, and there again, I don't want to oversimplify this, but I know, for instance, in a, in an organ, a business organization, you know, there is a mission and there is a vision. And I know in the Western world, it's very easy also for me to oversimplify and say that part of Western civilization has been built on the belief that if I am who I think I am, then I need basically for, for everyone who sees me to pretend that I'm who I think I am, not that they have to, and then vice versa, I do you the same favor, whoever you think you are, I do the same. And it seems like, you know, we have a lot of identity building. And I don't want to oversimplify this or assume that everyone, every organization is this way. But I find it so interesting that uh, in this part of the world, you know, being able to go in and work with a group of people and to be able to actually uh, uh, show them. I don't know if that's the right phrase on this, but to illuminate that people are actually more than what they, uh, you know, what they, who they think that they are. I just would, it would be very interesting to hear anything that you might share on that, just in terms of, especially where we are in human history right now, what that's like for you. Yeah. And from a corporate perspective, it's really interesting. I had an opportunity two weeks ago to visit with a, um, an international electronics firm. And the ask was to go spend time with not the C-suite, but with senior managers and leaders in the organization. And they had slotted an hour and a half for me, and I ended up going about three hours, <laughs> which wow. is great wow. uh, because there's a lot of questions. And the exercise there, because I didn't and say I didn't go to college, I did, but the only thing I really focused on was the my radio show, and you know, and how I went from you know running um, restaurants when I was nineteen or twenty to now where you know, I'm a, a sales leader for post-Series B startup, and we, we make pretty good money doing what we do. And the question was like, okay, I understand that luck, Chris, is part of this. But how in the hell did you go from being a bartender to this? And I get a sense that you've reinvented yourself um, quite a bit. And in many ways, I feel like I've lived quite a few lifetimes just in these 49 years. The, the, the magic of that dialogue in, in, helping the, in helping that group of people was to talk about not necessarily these are the 10 things that are true for Chris, but here are the things that I've picked up along the way. And more importantly, here are the things that didn't work. And how do you connect with people in a very real way and also attaching that to the broader goals of the organization? I'm fortunate enough, and I'm putting a pin in that, to say that I work for a company where the person is absolutely central to what it is that we're doing. Uh, my CEO, the, the rest of the C-suite are just incredible leaders where it really feels like content stack is more of a movement than it is a piece of software. And I've seen the opposite of this where it becomes you know, a rush towards hitting certain metrics, certain goals and exits. Everybody gets Teslas in the parking lot when they raise a certain amount of capital. And then they either IPO, they get acquired or they go out of business. 
And it's very much about tying this to the journey. And when I realized that life wasn't working for me, and maybe you've heard this, Jeff, but people, um, and it sounds almost like a platitude, but it's like, I want you to focus on the things that you did when you were like eight years old, but that's how you should be spending your time and making a living. And so somewhere around 35, I, I sat down with this exercise on my own and was writing out all the things that I used to do where I would lose track of time, where I found myself in that flow state. And so the invitation is to, you know, your audience, our audience to consider the same. And what I used to love doing was playing with baseball cards. And, and I would write the data on the back of baseball cards. And I was working at advanced analytics back in the early to mid eighties. I loved to read. I would walk around my bike to the bookstore and I would find myself in the paranormal section, or I would go to, you know, the literature section. And I was reading at an advanced level because I was really curious. And that's how I would escape a small town is to go read something like the Zen and the Art of Motorcycle Maintenance. It didn't make sense for a 13-year-old to be reading that. Wow. Um, but in retrospect, it's like, yes, there was something bigger going on around me. Um, so certainly reading um, advanced analytics and baseball cards. I used to love to paint with oil paints. Um, my neighbor was kind enough to teach me how to build furniture. So we'd sand down old barn oak and we'd you know, build stuff. Um, I love to draw. I love to write. And it's like, okay, none of these things are going to put my kids through college. <laughs> so, so, so what are the adjectives here that I can use as a non-college graduate who happens to be charismatic and I have blonde hair and blue eyes? Don't get me wrong. I, I understand the advantage and responsibilities that are, are associated with that. And the words I landed on were largely, you know, creating, um, analyzing, I used to start, if there wasn't um, a sports team, like where I was, I used to go start intramural leagues or we travel around the state of Michigan playing volleyball. If it didn't exist, I would go build it because I didn't know that you couldn't. Mm. I love leading. I would um, coach my brother and sister's teams, um, hyper involved in the community. And so when I look at those adjectives, I was like, well, where then can I use that in my professional life? And so the roles, regardless of what they were doing, had to involve creating, leading, building, analyzing, um, and being able to use my imagination and to conceive of things. And that helped me in my current role where it doesn't really feel like work. And it feels like I get to do all of the things that inspire me. And that doesn't mean that I nail it every time. And I think I'm you know, hard to manage in many ways um, because I can be a little esoteric and nonlinear in my thinking and, and daily application. Uh, but it's, it's energizing. Like, I know this is supposed to be hard, what I'm doing, but it's fun. And the hard part was, you know, I'm trying to raise two kids and I can't come up with diaper money or I couldn't seem to maintain a healthy relationship or I'm living in the back of my car or just trying to scrape together enough money to live in, you know, find a hotel room for the night. That was hard. Like this to me is fun and feels very much like we're playing. So to bring it back to the San Diego story, you know, it's, it's mission first, right? Yeah. And then it's about the team. And then it's about the individual. 
And so how do you take the mission of the organization and the things that come naturally to you and the things that put you in that flow state and starting to look for commonalities there, right? And then as leaders in organizations, how do you take these values and instill these values into the work that you're doing together? And therein, it becomes a movement and less of a job. Yeah. Oh, absolutely. Yep. Absolutely. It's, it's, is, is, it, is it about that shift in consciousness? In other words, being, I, because I realized a lot, and of course myself for many years in business, I was always kind of clinging and hanging on because I, there was a goal to meet and there were objectives to, uh, yeah, there were objectives, right. things that had to happen in order to keep money coming in or be successful enough to keep you know, to live, to, to fight another day, so to speak. So I understand yeah. the seriousness of, of, uh, in business of, you know, we, I realize we can't just let go and close our eyes necessarily and just hope for the best. I know that I've, I think I remember hope is not a strategy being a book that was published many years ago, but yes. I feel like, you know, how, it's, you know, how do you, how can people actually learn to surrender and let go and still mm-hmm. trust themselves enough when, and there again, I don't know if this is a fair question, you know, how can people surrender and trust themselves more and realize that they really are connected to something greater and that they can still trust themselves to do what needs to be done, but be able to surrender to that and not have to try to, to do it all themselves necessarily. Yeah. I don't know if that makes, I don't know if that's a loaded question, but yeah. Of course it is. And I love it. (laughs) It's, it's listening, you know, I, so I do a men's group here in our backyard every other Wednesday. And there's a gentleman that, that comes that is in an interesting position in life when it comes to his career and also to his relationship. And for me, and I had, I started to see a psychotherapist when we first moved to Santa Monica and I wanted someone like Wendy and Billions. I wanted someone that was going to just, you know, polish me up, put me back on the field, and help me go make more money. And I remember her, my psychotherapist, asking me how I felt. And Jeff, I could not articulate a word for how I was feeling. And she said, well, how do you feel? And I'm like, I was like Fonzie trying to say the word love. It just (laughs) couldn't come out. And, you know, in retrospect, and this is now five or six years later, it's as if I just didn't allow myself the opportunity to feel like I deserved to feel. And so this discipline around living and, you know, there's a responsibility to living when we're aware of greater things happening you know through us has given me not just the opportunity to be very introspective and coming back to the internal affairs aspect of this conversation but also then sharing what i've learned when it's useful to someone else so you know as this guy sitting here next to me around the fire what i and he was talking about where he is in this nexus of his career as well as his relationship. And I, I had allowed myself to just, I said, stop talking. And I said, what I want you to do. And so there's probably 12 of us sitting around the fire and it's a pretty consistent group of folks. 
So what I'd like for you to do, and I know what this person does professionally and, and how they like living their life. And I said, you're standing on stage behind a microphone. And what I'd, and I, and I knew intuitively like what he was doing behind the microphone. I said, but where do you feel most alive? Is it because you're speaking or are you singing? And he's like, well, I'm singing. I said, okay. Mm. And I said, I know that you're singing. And I said, but and you've already picked out a song, right? And he's like, I already see him performing in my, my mind's eye. And he's like, yes. And I said, so where do you feel this in your body? And he points to his forehead and to his stomach. I said, okay. I said, so I want you to continue singing and then start to notice where in your body you feel most grounded and most rooted. And I had a sensation come across me as to where this area was. So I was, um, I say I feels very selfish, but somehow we, right, the collective we, was just helping him settle into where he felt most grounded and it was in his heart space and it's different you know for people sometimes it's you know down into your 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 groin area or your root chakra or your feet but for him it was very much in the heart area and so as he's there i put my hand on his chest and i just said my eyes were closed and just kind of anchoring the sensation and and the tear starts to uh, well up in his eye and he starts he felt like he needed to talk and like, you don't have to say anything now. Right. Mm-hmm. So it's what I want is for you to be able to feel this, where you feel most closely aligned with your true nature. And so as these things come up for you going forward, and now, you know, right. Where's home for you inside of you, you can begin to notice like when you get a little off track, or you get distracted or when you're making decisions that are up here in your head, or maybe you're thinking with your penis, right? That's most of us that are identify as men tend to do. Yes. Um, <laughs> but let's just anchor into where you feel this in your body. And, and I think many of us lose track because we spend so much time in our heads or thinking with the little head. Many of us um, lose track of noticing what feels right. And so there's a significant opportunity for us, given the state of the world and where we are and these opportunities that we have for real expansion and growth and connection, to notice where in our body it feels right. And over time, it becomes a muscle memory, right? Where it's like, okay, here goes Chris being Chris again. I'm thinking about my head and I'm not present in that way. And then it becomes more of a habit and just noticing you know, what's right. And that allows for me coming back to the earlier part of our conversation where if I'm tied up in spreadsheets or something frustrates me at work because something isn't done, this is like to settle back in, even if just for a moment and notice where that's coming from and then tap back into what's home for me, which is my root chakra. It's like, okay, breathe, listen, right? Notice. And then act or don't act and the more opportunities i have to do this type of work with other folks just noticing what feels right for them um, i I find that to be an incredibly valuable experience for all parties because even in working with him 
right? And I'm watching other people inside the circle, Jeff, that are responding to their own way. And a couple of guys were, were crying and, you know, it's beautiful when you can connect with people that way, but it's also myself. So, you know, his healing is mine and what's mine is his and is yours. And, um, you know, I feel very fortunate to be able to do this type of work. Yeah, thank you so much. I, I deeply honor that. And I was going to ask you, you know, as, it, since the time you started working with people and with organizations, uh, and I realize it's on some level, it's all the same. I realize, you know, it's all connected, whether it's an individual or a group of people. But I was wondering in terms of what you have sensed in your own consciousness uh, as a result of doing this work. In other words, what if uh, if I could ask what it is like to to be you? And to be connected, you know, with, you know, be, being where your home is, uh, you know, in your heart and in, 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 in your body, doing this work with other people. And if, if I could ask you, you know, how you have evolved as a result of doing this work. That's, <laughs> I seem to be asking a lot of loaded, a lot of loaded questions today, evidently. <laughs> yeah, it's like I, I'd want you to ask my wife. You could ask my kids. You could ask my parents um, and my team. You know, I feel like I'm playing. Mm. Yeah. When we when we walked into our home last night after having been gone for ten days, you know, our dog greeted us at the door, and he was here with uh, you know a friend of ours that stayed for you know the week and a half. It felt as if we'd been gone for three or four months. Mm. And as I you know came up to my office last night and I was meditating and. Just felt really grateful for having been able to connect with so many people in the time that we were, you know, back in the Midwest. You know, it dawned on me that, you know, this isn't meant to last forever. And, you know, we left snow and cold and rain and, and wind to come back to 70 degree weather. And it's not lost on me you know, how fortunate we are to live how and where we do. And with that, you know, comes a, a certain responsibility. And, you know, and for that, I'm grateful. As for my own journey, you know, I feel as if I'm playing with house money. Interesting. There are so many things that could have gone sideways. <laughs> I talked to my sister <laughs> when I saw her and she's like, Chris, she's like, for God's sake, you could have been in prison. And I'm like, I know, right? Like, and if I wasn't white with blonde hair and blue eyes, you know, it's one DUI could have certainly, you know, like put me away for 20 years. That would have been a different like experience. And it's, but I'm not. And the prison that I was in and subjugated myself to was, you know, my lower inclinations and being in survival mode. And, you know, the more introspection and the more inner work that I've done, it's given me the opportunity to not be so fascinated with, well, like psychomedium aspects or going for a walk and seeing someone's, you know, deceased daughter walking next to them. It's removing as much self-fascination from that as possible be narcissism and i think we all have some form of you know self-fascination for sure and listening and connecting with people right what i've 
and I've had so many interesting experiences in ordinary states of consciousness and in non-ordinary states of consciousness. And invariably, it always comes back in a general sense of surrendering and knowing that what is is perfect. And that's a hard thing to say when you just turn on CNN or Fox News or whatever people turn on and how it feels as if the world is ending at every turn, right? Yes. And we're, we're one moment away from a catastrophe. I, and I think the earth would be okay, right? It's, it's us, these fleas that live on the skin that, you know, are probably the biggest pathogen that exists. And do we deserve to be here as a species? If the answer is yes, then we, you know, it begets another question, which is, do I deserve to be here? And what's my responsibility? And what's my role in all of this? And it doesn't have to be grandiose. You know, I, um, I, I felt for a long time, like I, because I had learned that I had some of these abilities that I should be on stage in front of like hundreds of thousands of people writing books and doing all of those things and like to me that just feels like work and i want to effort less wow that is so interesting the way you said that wow that really came through very powerfully sorry i didn't mean to interrupt you but just the, the inflection the way in which you said that actually almost sounded to me like a mantra you know a one you know a two syllable one word mantra effortless effortless it doesn't have to be as hard as we make it. Wow. Now, I still get fixated on certain things, right? And so money is always an aspect, you know, in my marriage, certainly. It's like, do we have this? Do we have that? Or like this consumption model in which we, particularly in the Western world, uh, have grown accustomed to. It's like, if I have this, 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 and this, then I'm going to be happy. And I, I removed a lot of that bug in my early 20s. It's like, okay, there's the house, the car, the blah, blah, blah. Like, yeah, nope, not happy. And it does become less about achieving for me and less about consuming. In my work with Carlos, you know, it's like he would mention, you know, like it's being content with your lot in life. And for me, growing up Catholic, you know, there's this um, tone, uh, this overarching tone of suffering and going without. And that's not something that I ever really wanted to do. I tried that. It didn't work for me. But what does it mean? And what does it feel like to be content? And a lot of that then just comes back, Jeff, to gratitude. And, you know, it was told to me because I had to, I, I, there was a, a moment where I was doing some plant medicine and the first sometimes i record these activities and the first 27 minutes of this unintentionally were me i was prostrated as if i was um you know bowing you know toward the mecca were 27 minutes of gratitude and for anyone and everything, I just had this immense opening in my heart space. And I shared this, and the comment came back to me was, well, you know, Chris, gratitude is the prayer of the masters. So whenever I feel a little off kilter, 
were a little off center. And I just began to sit with what am I grateful for? And it's really easy for me now to just look around or to connect with someone. And that gives me a reason to feel grateful. Um, so when I do feel off or off kilter, and sometimes I forget to do it, but I come back to like, oh, wow, thank you. With this, and you can go through life and and not be awake to that. And that's okay. But if you have an awareness of this is almost being a requirement or a down payment, right? Well, then you have an obligation and a responsibility to express gratitude to all the other sentient beings and life that's around us. Knowing that we are all in this together. And that's, you know, the plants outside my door, it's my neighbors, it's my dog, it's the folks that I run into, spend a lot of time on airplanes, it's the folks that you see in the airport, and really connecting. I am, if you don't mind, I'll share this. There was a one of those visions, if you will, that I had had around my role in all of this felt very overwhelming and it felt like a lot of work and i was here and i'm coming down to different parts of the world and galvanizing people whereas part of this what i will call just like the great i am and so as i'm meditating i was like well, wait a minute like i'm not bob geldoff or bono like I, this feels way out of my scope <laughs> right? like, like who am I to take on this work and I said so I, I asked you know spirit or the creator or whatever all this is and I had asked you know just give me something that I can use that feels effortless I'm like well, sure Chris it's just this you just look someone in the eye and just ask them how they are and it's hard that's a hard exercise for some people because when you look someone in the eye and you ask them, how are you in a genuine heartfelt way? In turn, you're then making yourself vulnerable and asking and inviting yourself to be seen as well. Oh yeah. Yeah. Right? And that's a really interesting exercise for people because so much of my their professional life early was, well, if I help enough people get what they need, then I'll get mine. I don't know what book that was. It was like Brian Tracy or Dale Carnegie, but it's, if you help enough people get what they need, then you'll get what you want. And it still felt too transactional to me. But I made much of that part of my existence about helping other people to the detriment of doing my own work and cleaning up this particular house. Right. So I'm gonna flip that around a little bit. We want to make sure that this foundation was good, much like the the airplane saying that you know before attempting to assist others, you make sure that your own oxygen mask is on. But when you connect with people and you see was the, the the cashier at Trader Joe's or someone who's having a really shitty day when it comes to their flight time, or just maybe they can't back and make a connection, and just slowing down and breathing and asking them how they are and giving them space to be seen if they choose to also then creates a vulnerability internally and in allowing yourself to be seen. 
And much of this dissonance that I think we're experiencing today across the world is that people don't necessarily feel the I am-ness of our existence. And if the I am aspect is true, Jeff, so is the we are. And if I am, oh my goodness. we are. And it doesn't take 8 billion people to be able to do that. But if there's a way to get one-eighth of that to where you see and feel and experience someone else and in turn allowing yourself to be seen, viewed, and felt and experienced the same way, we're going to find that we have a lot more in common than we do differences. Yeah, thank you, Chris. I, I, yes, that absolutely speaks to me. And I wonder if in some ways, you know, just spirituality, I know in some cases, I remember very early in the journey, I had so much to share with people because I thought that somehow I made the assumption that they needed, you know, what, what I had found. And yet I get the sense through uh, intuitively what's coming up is that it can be so much more simple than this. Mm-hmm. Instead of having something to show someone or like you had spoken about very early in our conversation, you know, about sharing with people from your vantage point. It's just yeah. about, you know, it's that it can be much more simple than this. And, you know, being a, just being able to connect with people is, is such a powerful technology in of itself. I don't know if technology is the right. I guess if it is a technology, I would think of like oh, we, the phrase ancient technology is sometimes kind mm. of intuitively. Yeah. I love talking to you because that's what feels right. The, you know, there's a joke. One of my friends, he's like, oh, here comes Mr. Complicated. <laughs> and, you know, it's, it's almost as if we, we tend to steampunk, you know, these, these things. Like, it has yeah. to be complicated. And we'll devise these very elaborate machines and technologies and mechanisms for us to simply put an egg into water and allow it to boil, right? It's like, well, wow. no. And I, it has to be, you know, roughly 20 feet high by you know, 20 feet wide and 10 feet over this. It's just, just, just put the egg in the water. Wow. And, wow. you know, that, these are just constructs that get in our way of really just being grateful and appreciating what's really going on here. But I do, to this day, fight the urge to steampunk all of it. Interesting. Interesting. Absolutely. And that's, a, that's such a powerful visual. You know, it's interesting. One of the Zen sayings, chop wood and carry water. You know, it's so interesting. After, after I'm hearing you say all that and talking about how much we can complicate it, that sounds like such a, it's such a powerful, it's such a powerful phrase. And yet it's at the same time, though, it really does speak volumes about how it really can be so much more simple than we, than we think. Yeah. Right. You just, you just climb down from the mountain and go back to the marketplace. Wow. Wow. You know, the other thing I was going to share with you, I don't know if there's anything there or not, but what's intuitively coming through as I was hearing you speak just, just here, just since we've had this started having this conversation is I think about how much has been built in the Western world in terms of progress, the creation of these various technologies, very complicated civilizations. And yet so much of this has been, I don't want to say it's been on the back of, uh, a group of humans who weren't capable or weren't willing to feel how they are and and to allow themselves to be seen. But I have to wonder, you know, in terms of where we are in human history, what is possible? You know, when I think about what has been done just kind of on a brute force, you know, through brute force, through will, you know, we're just going to build these complicated infrastructures and can be, can be, 
if we choose completely disconnected from feeling, what is possible in the future if, if we are more connected? Yeah, absolutely. And somehow I just glommed onto this idea. I was thinking about baseball today. And, you know, and baseball is probably the one sport that I pay attention to still. And, and my father and I connect over it, as do, you know, my kids and I. And, and how we have something which is timeless in the sense that it wasn't bound by time. You would just allow for this game to play out. And there's something to be said for not speeding through things and feeling as if we need to be, you know, ultra distracted. My 15 year old son loves TikTok, and he goes through all of these memes and he'll send them to my wife and I. And it's like, wow, I don't get it. Like, <laughs> like this is not funny to me. And like, what does that say about us as parents? And like, what parts of our life did our parents not think was funny? Or did they not get? And, you know, it's, there's something to be said for unplugging in so many ways and eliminating the distractions, but there has to be a willingness to do some pretty deep introspective work and allowing us to slow down and to savor. And that's where my pit bull, you know, Kingston has been invaluable. It's like, what's the rush dude? Like, we're not in any hurry to go do this. And if I want to sit here on this corner and stare at people, then that's what we're going to do. You know, my friend, my friend, Adam, you know, we do uh, some TP ceremonies with, with him and, and his folks down in his reservation from time to time. And he would tell the story about his grandmother. And I, I hear him using her voice quite often. He's like, slow down. What's the rush? Take it easy. Wow. Yeah. And his grandfather was very much the opposite. Like, come on, we got to be on time. We have to go do this work. Blah, 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 blah. He's like, but the irony, Chris, is like, my grandfather passed away 24 years ago. My grandmother is still alive. And, you know, as we begin to become a little bit more tuned into our own nature and this ability to just savor and appreciate something, and we're coming back to gratitude. And it could be something, you know, nature is, you know, certainly one really, we'll call it like a hack, if we're going to use the term technology, um, and just getting your hands in dirt, right, and, and moving a plant around, and there's, it does something biochemically to just feeling more connected. And it's, you know, it's on us to figure out what that is for us at the individual level, just to be able to slow down and savor in that way. And knowing that the rush will always be there, we so choose to jump back into it. But it's like when I started meditating, I could barely do two minutes, right? And wow. it just takes, takes time, right? If, if it took me 49 years to get to a certain way, it stands to reason that it's going to take us a little bit of time to unwind ourselves. Yeah, absolutely. And as we come to a conclusion, coming to a conclusion, I definitely want to be mindful of your time. Uh, it, it goes so quickly. It's almost like there is no time, isn't it? It's, <laughs> yeah, my, my wife will share her frustrations about that with you. If you <laughs> <laughs> I'm wondering, just as a result of doing this work, have you found that there is less of, uh, that, there, that there is, in terms of your experiences or your consciousness when you're doing this work with people, do you find that there has been, that there has become less of you and who you, who you th may have thought at one point you, who you are? And that there, that there can just be basically space or some, you know, some terms, of, some people use the phrase emptiness in terms of that, you know, your experience and your consciousness, you know, when you're working with people. 
Yes. When I get out of my own way. Yeah. Wow. Yes. Yes. Right. And allow for whatever is happening to happen. And, and I notice it, you know, in, in removing all forms of self-centeredness. And it doesn't have to be an ego way, but like, you know, there's the subconscious way and how we're conditioned and what's in it for me. If I do this, then I get that. When I just shut up and allow for whatever it is that's moving through to move through, you know, that's when the magic happens and just trusting because it requires uh, a certain amount of trust as well. But I know it, Jeff, when it's in my root chakra. Right. And I just, you feel the, uh, just, you feel it. Yes. Right. And yes. I say that because it's like, wow, I can actually talk about feeling now, which is not something I allowed myself to do. And, and really just getting out of my own way. Wow. Absolutely. You know, and I was thinking too, just the last thing I would ask you is uh, when you were speaking about that orb that you saw early in our conversation yeah. and when you were talking about, I loved how you were speaking about how, you know, people could, you know, there, there can be human beliefs around that and not knowing whether or not it was, you know, just in terms of, uh, of human, you know, from the standpoint of human consciousness and belief. That's, yeah, I was going to ask you, that's one of the earliest lessons I learned studying Hindu and Buddhist teachings, you know, almost 30 years ago, that I find that places like in India and in the East, there are what they refer to as these miracle stories that are told about gurus who co-located and all of these miraculous things that happen. And people that I've spoken to that have traveled, especially to India, come back with these stories that it's amazing how people there, there's not a, so much of a struggle with belief about what I guess would you call miracle stories. And I'm wondering, at the end of the day, is that part of also where, you know, what we experience with higher consciousness is more of an openness and, and less or being able to let go of some of the Western skeptics, you know, Western skepticism that uh, is so endemic in the culture. Yeah. Yes, and, and also removing the fascination from it. Um, where, Interesting. You know, I'll, I'll get like over the weekend. I got a text message from a gentleman that comes to our men's group, and he's like, "Chris, he's like, I don't know if this happened if you're there intentionally or not." He's like, "But I was, you know, I was having a hard time with something, and I sat down and I meditated, and you were there, and you told me to do this, and I feel amazing, and I'm so grateful for that." And it's it's one of you know. I'll say many, but I don't mean that in an egotistical way, but those things happen. And it's like, I, I wanted to have some sort of agency and authority over them. It's like, oh, well, if I'm helping in that way, then I want to know, right? <laughs> That's great. <laughs> I can identify. Like even, <laughs> right. And, you know, there's been, um, there was a, a, an instance where um, some shape-shifting had happened with someone where apparently I took on this other person's features you know, as we're working through whatever we're working through in that space that you had referred to. And I was like, huh, like amazing. Like, I'm glad that that happened. But as I've released the desire to understand and to steampunk yeah. <laughs> the, the <laughs> machinations or the machinations behind all of that and just allow for these miracles to happen, and get out of my own way, um, it just it frees up more and more of that. So there, there is a way, certainly, with intention and focus to be able to go operate in that way. And that's something that I'm exploring. But I don't need to know 
in all these other realms in which we operate that in fact that that's how it is i just i just trust and allow and i'm uh i'm just blown away and amazed by the fact that this is actually my life that this is our life Wow. Thank you so very much. I just, I, I'm so deeply honored and so deeply grateful that you've taken this time to share your journey and your experiences and your consciousness. It is, uh, it is, it is, it has been tremendously nourishing and uh, very, very, you know, very mind opening and heart opening. And I really appreciate I feel it. Great. Yeah. Jeff, I'm buzzing. Some goosebumps. <laughs> so just thanks for the invitation and I'm happy to just play um, with you. I just, I, I love how you feel. Absolutely. Thanks again. It's been wonderful to meet you. I really appreciate it. I hope you had an enlightening experience and a powerful time taking a soul dive into the deep ends of consciousness and exploring what it means to be a man. If you want to work directly with me, if that calls to you, I'd love to hear from you. All you need to do is visit my website. It's www.chrismccann.co backslash coaching. If today's episode helped you make progress on your way to self-discovery, please feel free to share it with a friend who might need to hear it. And don't forget to leave us a rating on iTunes so we can grow our community next to the fireplace. Until next time, keep diving, keep questioning, keep seeking to know the truth. 